0: Welcome in to the week 14 episode of the Megapod here at The Lines. I'm Adam Candy, sitting in for Matt Brown, joined as always by Stephen Andrus. And guys, we left the back door open and said, hey, you know, if someone happens to wander in, it's fine. Stephen and I could do the podcast without Matt here for a week. But if someone just happens to show... Look at this. Look. Hey, I remember that guy. It's Brad Allen. Brad. Hi, guys. How are we
1: doing? Uh, we're doing very well. How are you, Brad? Uh, yeah, doing well. I'm just complaining to Stephen that we're starting this podcast as Brazil have kicked off in the World Cup. But otherwise, I'm doing You know well. what,
0: Stephen? I, I warned you that this guy was going to try to <laughs> talk about the other football, the wrong football for this podcast. But uh, apparently, we got to roll with
2: it now. Listen, we are not about to start some Peyton Manning, David Beckham commercial here. We are perfectly fine with both types of football. If we, I, Listen, I can watch the Brazil-Croatia match and the reflection behind Brad during this episode, so it's a win-win for everybody.
0: Well, like most of us, if you're watching with Brad, you're, you're gazing into his eyes, and then whatever else happens to be on the screen is kind of <laughs> ancillary. To all of us. Uh, If you are not joining us on YouTube, well, first of all, you should, because if you're coming to YouTube, then you could see Stephen and Brad and myself and you could uh, you can hit the like button, little thumbs up, help people find us Uh, subscribe, rate and review, of course, on all the places that you find podcasts. And if you were watching, you would see that Brad is wearing a Detroit Lions sweatshirt. And that takes us right into our first game of the week, the Minnesota Lions visiting the, uh, let's try that one more time (laughs) on the brain. The Minnesota Vikings visiting the Detroit Lions. Uh, It is the Detroit Lions by one and a half or two with a total of 52. Uh, Brad, this has been one of the most discussed games among talkie heads all week long. How in the world could the 10 and two Minnesota Vikings not be
1: favored? Well, I'm going to let you explain. Well, um, well, I mean, I, I feel like every other better who in the world who has lost fortunes betting against Minnesota each week, um, and they, they, they did they did all their aggression in one game, didn't they? When they lost by 40. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, you look at you look at the season long stats, and you you could argue Detroit's better. Um, but then you you sort of chop it up. Say the last since Detroit's by. The, the, the offense is top five by success rate. The defense is even sort of trending upwards. Um, you know, if you adjust the schedule, they're like 16th in the NFL in EPA allowed. Um, and then you look, you, you look at the same time period for the Vikings, and they're sort of gradually getting worse throughout the season. And I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's because people are getting familiar with the new scheme from Kevin O'Connell and they're kind of working out what they're trying to do. Um, so yeah, I would argue that. As currently constituted, the Lions have obviously... They've got all their... The line is healthier than it's been all year. Um, You know, even two weeks ago, they were missing... They were on their fourth and fifth string guards against the Bills, so they're a little bit healthier up front. And they're getting getting all these weapons back with Swift, some Brown, DJ Shark, even uh, Jameson Williams back. Uh, He played a few snaps last week, and we expect him to ramp up a little bit more. So... Yeah, I think you you just look at the the teams on the field and you would say uh you'd say the Lions are, are just probably the better team in my opinion. Um and then the final thing I'd say is is the splits the way these two teams match up as well. Uh where Cousins this season has been bad against man, um uh, which is obviously what the Lions play they're like the fifth highest rate of man in the league. And then Goff is absolutely shredding zone which the Vikings play the entire time. So yeah, I think it, I think it's a good matchup for the Lions.
0: Steven, anyone who is a regular listener watcher of this podcast knows that we had quite the spirited discussion about the Minnesota (laughs) Vikings uh, last week. Uh, Matt, of course, is a Vikings better regularly. Uh, You were oppo of him. I decided to sit it out and just play the over. And guess what? Everybody hit their bet last week. Uh, Matt laid it with the Vikings against the Jets. You had a teaser with the Jets. And of course, I had. That over. So here we are uh, with a situation where everyone's talking about Minnesota in much that same way again. And I'll echo some of the things that Brad said about Detroit, because I think you can take it to week eight when they finally were able to put Amon Ross St. Brown and DeAndre Swift back on the field together again, which they had not been able to do since early in the season with both of them healthy. Coming back from injuries, all the metrics have looked absolutely outstanding since then for Detroit. And as Brad mentioned, the defense hasn't been good. It's just been good enough. And the only game in the last five that the Lions have lost was the Thanksgiving Day game. They lost on a late field goal to the Buffalo Bills. So should I assume, Stephen, that I know where you'll be on this
2: game or are you going to surprise me? No, I'll, I'll be on the lines here. It's a shame Matt's off this week. He'll be back next week. I'm sure we'll have plenty more spirited Minnesota Vikings debates for the rest of the season here. And I think, you know, to, to drive your point home about Amon Ross St. Brown, you've been banging this drum for a couple of weeks now, Adam, that it's just as simple as them getting healthy, and that's how they, they look better. And just to put some numbers behind that, since week eight, when St. Brown came back and played full snaps, the lines are number one in dropback EPA. Goff has the number three expected completion percentage, which really isn't a quarterback stat. It's a, it's a scheme and route running stat, right? It's how open are these receivers to give you a high expected completion percentage. So Goff is number three in that category. So he's, he's playing on easy mode as our, as our other writer, Mo Nawara likes to say, by comparison, since week eight, Kirk cousins has the number 33 expected completion percentage. So the scheme and his receivers outside Justin Jefferson, aren't making it easy on him. And in terms of EPA and success rate cousins in that same span is 23rd and 21st by comparison to the lions who are sixth and fourth. So Offensively, there's really no contest here. Now, I will I will concede that neither of these defenses have been very good, thus the total that we're seeing. But clearly the Lions have been the better offense here and the Vikings have been again feasting on some fortunate fourth quarters and some coin flips that have gone their way. So, you know, typically Adam when we see a situation where a line has gone from in this case Vikings -3 on the look ahead all the way over across the zero, Maybe, you know, I don't think we'll touch Minnesota plus three, but that's typically a spot where we're looking to come back in on the other side. But that's only if you think that the line was correct to begin with. And I think Brad and I probably agree that this line was wrong to begin with. And we've gone through mostly meaningless numbers at this point. And I, Eli Hershkovich, our our lead writer, is on the Lions. He got him early, but he said he'd be comfortable betting them anything under a field goal. So I, I agree with that. There's been a bit of buyback on the Vikings here as we record on Friday morning. So I'm just waiting to see where this levels out and just try and get a little bit better of a number. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm fine with anything under three here with the Lions. And, of course,
0: keep in mind, as we say always for folks – unless that actually does get out to the three on the other side, which, of course, it's not likely to do. Right. Uh, we don't pay as much attention to those moves between the threes as we do you know, to moves uh, in other key numbers. I'll tell you the one sort of... Slightly contrarian half a unit play that I have is I had under 53 uh, when it hit that point earlier in the week. We don't spend a lot of time talking about bets that are not currently available. But uh, I think that when we look at these two teams, we see that they do tend to play on the fast side. However, they play opposite, depending on whether they have a big lead or whether they have uh, a small leader or small trailing situation. So... Give it just a small uh, play on that. The Jets and Buffalo. The Buffalo Bills are a 10 point favorite in most spots. 43.5 is the total. Steven, uh, the New York Jets defeated the Buffalo Bills earlier this season. It was the one time in the NFL that we've looked at Zach Wilson and said, hey, That guy looks like an NFL quarterback. Uh, It was also one of the games where we looked at Josh Allen and said, buddy, are you all right? What exactly is going on? It was before we knew everything about the injury situation here with Josh Allen. And uh, the 10-point spread that has been moving in favor of the Buffalo Bills doesn't seem to respect the old Mike White.
2: Well, he did throw four picks against Buffalo when he played the Bills last year. What's Four (laughs) picks between friends. I, I think... So I did bet the Jets on the look ahead here plus nine and a half because I do believe that overall they are a better team than uh, than they are obviously under Zach Wilson. And I thought that was a lot of points, and and Josh Allen has been throwing a lot of turnover worthy plays more so than we've seen the past couple of years. He looks more like early career Josh Allen. So, but but I will concede I am not comfortable anymore with this look ahead line. So I. Didn't directly buy back on the bills here, but what I did was I played when the bills were nine and a half, I played it down to two and a half and a six and a half point teaser, paired it with the chiefs. So I just needed chiefs and a bills win here by a field goal um, to hit that one. And and maybe it it covers this nine and a half for the jets. I, I would not bet the jets at this point. I don't think, I think this is a really good spot for the bills. They had the weirdest scheduling situation the past few weeks here with the blizzard and having to go to Detroit and then a short week and then another game on a Thursday and then another game on a Thursday. And now they get 10 days off, get healthy, get rested, come back at home against the the jets. And I think you're going to get the best effort from the bills here. After what we saw was already a pretty impressive effort against the new England Patriots. So um, I did bet the look ahead, not really comfortable with it anymore to be quite honest with you.
0: Brad, the Buffalo Bills are not as healthy and not as dominant as they were early on this year. We've talked plenty about the fact that they didn't have to blitz to get pressure when they had Von Miller. Uh, It hasn't quite been the same without Von Miller in the pass rush. It hasn't been the same in the secondary for the Buffalo Bills with some of the injuries they've sustained at safety and the lack of health they've had from Trey White for most of the year. And yet... Here we are with this moving toward the Buffalo Bills. Uh, what say you on Buffalo minus ten
1: with forty three and a half? Um, yeah, so I bet uh, Jets when it opened on Monday at plus nine and a half, and then I bet some more Jets yesterday at plus ten and a half. Um, and there, there's still a few ten and a half ten halves around there. Last time I checked. Um, and to me, it's mainly. I mean, what if we look at the first game? Jets had a fifty seven percent success rate in that, and the Bills were at forty seven percent. So. You know, it wasn't just like a fluke, a couple of turnovers. Like, they, they did dominate that game. And to me, it's about, it's the Jets' defense. It's the Jets' defensive line where we think, I think they probably can get pressure with four. Um, this, this Bill's O-line is, you know, is fine. He's middling, but I think Josh Allen covers up a lot of warts. Um and I, I think that I think they will be able to get pressure with four. And then on the back end, they were I was listening to the um athletic podcast today and they were talking about a lot of the Bill's offense is like it's digs and or Gabe Davis, you know, it's driving at their corner and then just cutting it off at ten yards to get a little ten yard dig, curl route or whatever. Um and you know, if you're if you're playing soft, that works. And they're saying the Jets have, you know, the two best outside corners in the game and they will not give you ten yards free. They will, you know, they'll sit on you, they'll they'll challenge them. Um and the so you know you sort of combine them together. You get pressure. You don't give up the sort of easy ten yard completions, and yeah, I, I just think the uh, the Jets defense will have a will have a good amount of success. You know, as much success as anyone will have against this Bills offense. Um, and Mike Mike White versus the Bills, obviously. He's he's had an easy he's had a soft landing, isn't he, with the Bears and then they got injured in that game and then obviously the Vikings. We've spoken about how fraudulent that defense is. It's sort of bottom six unit. So I am concerned about that, whether Mike Wilde will have the success he's had the last two weeks. But I'm thinking if we can hold the Bills to twenty four points or so. Um, and we're getting 10 points, then uh, I I like our chances.
0: Baltimore Ravens visiting the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, This line that obviously has moved quite a bit with the Lamar Jackson injury. We're looking at the Pittsburgh Steelers as of right now as two-point favorites with a robust total of 36.5, although there are some uh, 37s to be found out there as well. Guys, I am as invested in this game as I am in any game I have Uh, Baltimore teaser legs I have an over from earlier in the week I actually have mine at 37 look Tyler Huntley Brad is not the greatest quarterback that we've ever seen however among backup quarterbacks he's just fine he does have a propensity for some turnovers he also can run the football not as well as Lamar Jackson but certainly adds that dimension to this uh Baltimore comes into this game a bit down, obviously, after last week and barely pulling it out against the Denver Broncos and the Pittsburgh Steelers are, I guess we could say, at as high of a point as they've been all year long. How do you feel about Lamar Jackson not being in there and Tyler Huntley being in there for the Ravens?
1: Um, I think it's probably fair to say that Huntley's like a he's like a budget Lamar Jackson. <laughs> you know, they, obviously the Ravens they're smart in the way they build their team, and they got someone who plays a very similar style. Um, and it seemed like all he does is play close games. You know, you look at his record last year; it's it seems every game is pretty much within one score. Um, and in this rivalry, I think you know the teaser leg you mentioned is, is obviously, I mean, it has to be a good play with, with that total and with the history of these two teams. Um, I, th- I think I saw the underdog is. Like 12 and 1 against the spread, these, these because anyone getting points when it's basically a coin flip is, is valuable. Um, it's not one I've played personally just because you know I, I don't really know what Tyler Huntley is. Um, the, the Ravens have been very good since they traded for um, Rokon Smith, they've been like the the best run defense in the NFL, like twenty-five percent success rate allowed, so that could force the game uh, onto your home Kenny Pickett here. And you know, again, is is, is that something you want to be trusting, um, especially as a favorite laying two points? So, yeah, I think that teaser leg is great if uh, if you can if you can get it.
0: Brad has finally reached the age where he's calling rookie quarterbacks young. It's very interesting. <laughs> uh, we always thought of him as a, as our baby, but here he is calling Kenny Pickett. Young uh, to the, add to the point, Stephen about Roquan Smith is a run defense grade in the forties. That has basically doubled my uh, PFF since he got to Baltimore. And so this defense is playing well. Um, we know that the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, however, has looked quite a bit different, unsurprisingly, since TJ Watt came back. So, what do we think of the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens?
2: Yeah, I'm with you guys on the teaser leg. I think the tougher question is what do you pair it with this week? There's not a ton of options. What I did was take a kind of a, a non traditional teaser, took the six and a half to get the Chiefs down through the seven and the three. So, Chiefs minus two and a half, and then the Ravens on that. And the other option I think is probably the best. Is Ravens with the Eagles this week. So we'll get to that game in a minute. But I, I echo what you guys are saying here. I, I've been buying on the Steelers since they came out of the bye. I think I've bet on them three straight weeks now. I'm not going to do it this week because I do think this is a, a bigger step up in class than the games and the success they had against the Saints Colts and the Falcons. And I expected to see more out of the Steelers offense against the lowly Falcons defense. They didn't really impress me in that game. So I'll be back on the Steelers next week when they're playing more bottom of the barrel, bottom 10 teams. I've already bet on the Steelers minus two and a half against the Panthers just in the outside possibility, you know, that they win this game. They are favored in the game and I didn't want to risk that line next week going to a full three. So took the Steelers on the look ahead against the Panthers. But for this week, John Harbaugh knows this team inside and out, this this Steelers opponent. You have to go back. I think it's been nine consecutive games to find the last time that the Ravens lost to the Steelers by double digits. And that included some games with Tyler Tyler Huntley. So great teaser leg this week for sure.
0: What I like about Baltimore in particular is that they've now had a week to prepare with Tyler Huntley. They've had a week to tailor the game plan more to him than to Lamar Jackson. It wasn't great last week. And yes, uh, in the time that he was replacing Lamar Jackson last year, three big time throws, eight turnover-worthy plays for (coughs) uh, for, for Tyler Huntley. I'm going to combine names all day today (laughs) because it's early here on the West Coast. But there also was nobody else available. On that team at that point when he was playing last year, everyone was hurt for the Baltimore Ravens. I'm not saying that the receiving core is any better because it's not. But the offensive line is in better shape than it was for Tyler Huntley last year. You mentioned the Philadelphia Eagles there, Stephen, and they are visiting my New York Giants. It is the Philadelphia Eagles laying seven in most spots with a total of 44 and a half. Eagles seem to have gotten back on track from where they were early in the season. And I'm not going to say the wheels have fallen entirely off the New York Giants, but the way Brad talked about the regression hitting the Minnesota Vikings all in one week, it's hit the New York Giants very steadily here over the last three weeks, coming off a tie that was frankly was what both teams absolutely deserved uh, last week against the Washington Commanders. You said you like the Philadelphia Eagles as a teaser leg
2: yeah i begrudgingly i think if if this line is seven or seven and a half then it's i think it's fine to tease them down i took i have a straight bet on them as well if you're listening last week you know i bet the eagles minus five and a half i thought that line was just completely wrong with the state of these rosters right now so i, I still feel strongly about that but as we record right now we're at sevens uh and in even a seven and a half popping up at Bet MGM here was with less juice on the Eagles. So I think we're now in teaser range for, for Philly. Um, I don't, I expect the giants to compete in this game. They play hard. They have great game planning with Brian Dable, but I mean, if you look at these two teams on paper here and include what we know about the talent level that's left on both of these rosters, And the only issue we've had with the Eagles at any point this season has been their rush defense, which now is fixed. Jordan Davis came back, shut down Derrick Henry and the Titans last week. They still have the two additions off the street that they added, including Endomic and Sue. So any issue I had with the Eagles has already been resolved starting last week. And the Giants, I think, just don't have the talent to to cover a spread like this at this point. And that's... I have I have high hopes for the Giants. They've beaten a lot of teams that are more bottom of the of the barrel. And I think that's put them into playoff contention. But, man, this is this is a totally different ball game we're talking about here against the Philadelphia Eagles.
0: Yeah, that is for the New York Giants, and they might be doing it without Leonard Williams. He's questionable to go for the Giants. That greatly affects their run defense. Uh, Brad, we what we know about the Giants and we know what's specifically about Wink Martindale is they're going to blitz and blitz and blitz. Uh, this could be an A.J. Brown feast day for the Philadelphia Eagles, depending on the success of those blitzes. Uh I don't have a lot of faith in the Giants to win
1: outright. How do you feel about the Eagles laying seven? Yeah, well, to your point, I'm I'm, not, I'm less confident about what happens when the Eagles have the ball because, as you say, Wink's going to send his blitzes and he's going to be down his top two corners against two very, very good receivers. But Hertz has been generally a little bit worse against the blitz this year. Um, and, you know, if they can force him to break the pocket, Um, you know maybe they can have some success containing him what I am confident about is that the Giants cannot move the ball against this defence so I mean the Giants offensive line banged up been banged up the last couple of weeks they're 31st in in adjusted sack rate 31st in pressure percentage allowed and the Eagles are second in both those metrics so you know second from top versus second from bottom Uh, that's not ideal for them and then obviously on the outside you know say, say Danny Dimes does escape some pressure um, his he, his his receivers are just nowhere near as talented as, as the cornerbacks they're going against. Um, and then you add in the fact that Saquon's on the injury report this week. He, he's banged up. He's, he's lost a bit of his burst in in recent weeks as well. Um, and yes, yeah, I checked this. This was uh, seventeen and a half. The team total on DraftKings about forty minutes ago. Um, and I had a I had a good, I had a good bet on the under there
0: i can 't argue with that at all with the struggles that the Giants have moving the ball in the first place. Uh, they really have not been willing to throw it long a whole lot. Uh, they did last week for a fifty five yard completion for Darius Slayton, but their ability to get play, uh, their ability to get yardage in chunks is really not particularly great, and so uh, like where you 're thinking there with under seventeen and a half on the New York Giants.
3: Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one 800
0: Oh, man, we've heard a lot of talk this week, guys, about the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals. Obviously, things look a lot different for both of these teams than they did even a couple of weeks ago. The Cincinnati Bengals, in most spots, five-and-a-half-point favorites for the total of 46-and-a-half. Brad, the the Cincinnati Bengals have that look once again, right? Uh, The offense looks like it did. It's not a huge surprise when you have Jamar Chase uh, back healthy and giving them a third significant receiving option. I think what's notable is that that defense last week played a lot better than uh, than we had seen. DJ Reader back in against the run, and they held up fairly well without Jadobio Uh I have no idea what to make of the Browns coming off last week. Uh, Watson did not look good against the Houston Texans, but the Houston Texans are so bad that the... Uh, Cleveland Browns scored 21 points without their offense. Uh, do you expect better out of Cleveland this week?
1: Well, that's the tricky thing, isn't it? Um, Watson was bad. He was rusty last week. I think he had the, the third worst on target throw percentage in the NFL last week. Um, and he, he came out and admitted, yeah, I was rusty. And he said, yeah, some of some of the sort of coverages that the Texans were throwing at him confused him, some of the adjustments before the snap. And the Houston Texans play about the most bland defensive scheme you've got. They just play Tampa 2 most of the time. So, you know, now he's getting a Bengals defense, which is very well coached, very well organized. They they played together for a long time and they, they will disguise a lot of stuff. So, I'm, I'm more inclined to think we get another bad Watson performance. Um, but it's just quite like, how how quick do you shake off two years of rust? I don't know, really. Um, so that, that's what makes this whole thing tricky. I would say one potential way to look at it is maybe like a Browns first half Bengals second half. Um, because I think the Bengals have covered 18 of their last 21 second halves. Um, just because of the adjustments they make at halftime, especially on the defensive side, whereas the Browns script is generally quite good at the start of games. So that, that could be one way into this, but um, it's not one of, I'll bet. Personally. Yeah.
0: Steven, we've talked quite a bit uh, on this podcast about the Cincinnati Bengals defensive adjustments at halftime and what that's meant for them throughout the year. Uh, Joe Burrow has absolutely looked the part for the last couple of weeks here. The Cincinnati offense against this Cleveland defense is where I'm focused. I haven't played this game. However, uh, let's not forget, just because Houston wasn't doing a lot offensively, how bad this Cleveland defense has been all year long. They've been in the bottom five in just about any metric that you'd like to pick. Uh, That being said, a lot has been made in the talkie headspace this week about Joe Burrow not having beaten the Cleveland Browns in his young career yet.
2: Do you put anything into that? To be quite honest with you, Adam, that's what I can't figure out this week because you're right. On paper, the Browns D has been terrible, but, and I don't really care what they did against the Texans last week. I just draw a line through that. Kyle Allen is, is sub NFL level backup quarterback, but. I can't figure out if this is the Browns defense we've seen most of the year that's been terrible, or if they just have this some kind of game plan that works against Joe Burrow, because it's not just this past this past game that they played against them where he was sacked five times and they lose to the Browns by 19, but even going back past couple of years, sack five times, lose by 25, sack four times, lose by three, sack three times, lose by five. I'm stuck in the middle on this one. It's a stay away for me. I would have been interested in Cleveland if this one moved to six and a half or seven, but it's starting to come back the other way now. So it's clear. Take away my opinion. Whatever. I'm stuck in the middle. I can't figure it out for what it's worth. The market thinks there's something to that because money has come in on Cleveland and moved this from six to five and a half.
0: Brad, after that performance by Kyle Allen last week, are you guys still allowing him to come for Christmas? <laughs> No. Okay. Uh, apparently, uh, but uh, Brad's Brad says we cannot have Kyle Allen at Christmas anymore. Uh, he, he, he's no longer invited to the Allen family. Uh, it's qu- completely understandable, uh, by the way, after what we saw Jacksonville Jaguars visiting the Tennessee Titans, the Titans are three and a half or four point favorites, depending on where you look. 41 is the total. Steven, uh, I'm not going to say the Titans were exposed in any way last week, but they certainly looked more like what some people have thought the Tennessee Titans are against the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, I told you guys that even though I'm not high on Tennessee, I had been betting on Tennessee fairly regularly. I did not do that, thankfully, against the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, the competition takes a market step down here to a Jacksonville Jaguars team that certainly had A lot of hopes coming in this year Uh, at various points has, has shown a little bit of pluckiness, but certainly has not been a great side throughout the year. Does
2: Tennessee get back on track this week? I think you have to watch the injury report really closely for this one. This is a game I did bet plus four on the Jags on the look ahead. It didn't get back to plus four until Trevor Lawrence popped up on the injury report back to back DNPs with a toe injury. It seems like he's still going to be okay to play, but obviously we have to monitor that and if there's obviously any updates during the show, we'll we'll let you know about that as well on his Friday injury status, but at the moment All we know is back-to-back DNPs Wednesday and Thursday. But the Titans are also dealing with some issues here as well. Ryan Tannehill popped up again on the injury report with a second ankle injury this season. Traylon Burks, their top receiver, and really their only threat in the passing game, to be quite honest at this point. Doesn't look like he's going to clear concussion protocol after he was back-to-back DNPs. So if Trevor Lawrence is playing... I know I already made the bet last week, but for those that haven't bet on this game yet, if Trevor Lawrence is playing, I'd still be interested in the Jags at plus four at this point. The Jags, I think are well suited to hold up against the Tennessee defense, the pressure for the Titans because their offensive line is fifth in pressure allowed for Jacksonville. Tennessee is 20th in yards per pass attempt allowed for their defense. So I think Lawrence can have success. And I think, The Titans defense overall is a big regression candidate. They are number one in the league in third down defense, which we know is not a sticky stat. I think what matters more is that they're 25th in early down EPA defense. So I think it's a good matchup for the Jags if Trevor Lawrence is going to play and it looks like he's going to be close to his normal self this week. But at this juncture, as we record on Friday morning, we don't have total clarity on that.
0: Uh, no, we, we certainly do not. And Brad, uh, I think we think of this Tennessee team as an elite rushing team. They've been good. They've been great uh, thus far this year. Uh, what we don't think of is the fact that they've been really good against the run for a lot of the year on the defensive side of the ball. But are they getting Trevor Lawrence? Are they getting C.J. Bethard minus Kyle Shanahan? Uh, we, we have a lot of questions about what goes on in this game.
1: Yeah, obviously, it's, it's tough to be that confident. My current assumption is that Lawrence plays. Obviously, he went back in that game, I think he said Wednesday, that he expects to play. So hopefully, I'm, I'm thinking they're just resting him. Um, and then, yeah, just the the Tennessee, the Tennessee injury report is, is probably worse. Um, I know Stephen touched on a few of them. But uh, Jeffrey Simmons, sort of, you know, star defensive tackle, DNP. Derek Henry, not injury-related, didn't practice. David Long, star linebacker, didn't play. Both the top corners didn't play. Traylon Burks, as Stephen said. Danico Autry, another star defensive lineman. Like they're missing pretty much all of the talent um, on the defensive side here. So, yeah, I think... <laughs> I think um, I think Jack- Jacksonville's definitely the side, um, and I think it's probably worth just taking the plus four now because I do expect Lawrence to play, um, and this is probably just going to be a ugly, sloppy three point game either way.
0: Yeah, this is not going to be a fun game to watch. I think that's the one thing we can say for sure. Maybe the last five minutes are interesting because it's close, but the the first fifty five, no, no, thank you. Uh, speaking of, I don't want to watch that game. Houston. Is visiting Dallas. The battle for Texas has the largest spread of the year. Dallas is an 18 point favorite, 44 and a half the total. But Brad, there's huge news. Kyle Allen got kicked out of family Christmas, and that means that Davis Mills is going to start again at quarterback for a Houston franchise that is basically a giant shrug emoji at this point. We have no idea week to week what we're going to get other than the fact that they're going to be pretty bad. Bad in what phase? Who knows? It could be any phase of the game. And Dallas right now is playing as well as it has all year now don't be totally misled by that score last week against indianapolis that was a lot of uh turnover and defensive adjustment in the fourth quarter for a game that was a one score game against indianapolis coming in however uh dallas overall is playing as well as it has all season but brad are they playing 18 points better than the houston texans
1: uh, no, I had a tickle of the Texans at uh, plus eighteen, um, and there's three, three reasons I think. One, Davis Mills clear clear upgrade over Kyle Allen. But I, you know they, they threw Allen in there just right. We're losing every game. Let's just try something. Let's see what we've got. And he was awful. He was he was much much worse than Davis Mills. So immediate upgrade there. Bang. Uh, two, the, so the look ahead was plus fourteen and a half. Here, obviously, the Texans failed to cover Dallas one by forty. Uh, but as you say, Kevin Cole, you, formerly of PFF, he does adjusted scores based on success rate stuff like that, and he had Dallas winning that game by nine. So it was turnover fueled. It was you know all that stuff. It, so if if that's inflated this by three and a half points, that's probably wrong. And the same on the Texans side, they lost by. Uh, where they lost by 20 but three dst touchdowns in there um you know you can that, that's going to be fluky as well so and then the last thing is just that houston the, the way they want to play the game is to run the ball and that is just that is the only way really to attack the dallas defense you, you don't want to drop back and pass so can i see a game like the eagles where they run the ball 35 times for 160 yards Possibly, um, and you know every every single thirty second run that that you know takes thirty second off the board that is great for us with with eighteen points in our back pocket. Um, so yeah, I, I just think it's been a little bit inflated by by recent results, um, and uh, it's, it's worth getting them on side.
0: I am not as confident in the Houston Texans' ability to run the football at, at least as well as they did early in the season. Um, my EPA sort right now is from week eight to week thirteen. And I've garbage time filtered out and they had to adjust the way the grid is done to fit in the Texans in the bottom left corner of rush (laughs) EPA per play and drop back EPA per play. It has been that bad guys over uh, over the time period that I mentioned. Uh, However, Steven, I was sitting there last week with a small piece of Colts plus 11 and a half. And for three quarters, I felt really good about it. Uh, And then in the fourth quarter, roughly six minutes to go, I I moved on to the rest of my Sunday evening. Uh, Do you also, sir, have a tickle of the Texans?
2: No, of course. What? You've been (laughs) Mr. Texans all year long. Yeah, but that's what that's before I figured out how bad they were.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah. OK, that does change it. Yeah.
2: I mean, listen, good, good lines make for, for good action right on both sides. And I think we we found one here because this is the NFL and it, that is a, a ton of points, but the market came in when Davis Mills was announced at the starter. They reopened it under under 17 and then it didn't take long for everybody to be like, we don't care. It's Davis Mills. They were still 30th in success rate, 31st in EPA when he was the starter week one through 11. So, I, Brad, I respect the hell out of your opinion on basically any game you ever talk about. But at this point, I wouldn't bet on the Texans with your money, my friend. I'm good. I'm out. I will sit this one out. I'm point. not saying it's the wrong side. I'm just saying I don't have any interest in be- putting money on this XFL team that's being trotted out there every week. You said that's the point, Brad? Yeah, Is I'll- it the point?
1: Yeah, that is the point. No one's betting the Texans. Like, everyone's burnt. They've literally set money on fire all year long betting the Texans. So we're getting a, a couple of extra points. There <laughs> is. There That's is. Like, yeah.
2: And I, you know I what? I, Some people like to hold their nose and, and bet the stinky cheese. And this is this is one Limburger too far for me. Well, let
0: guys, if we're going to talk stinky cheese, let's talk about the stinkiest of cheese. It comes from Colorado this week. As the Kansas City... Uh, chiefs visit the denver broncos kansas city's out to nine and a half in most spots 45 43 and a half is the total uh steven what combination of factors would have to happen for you to voluntarily with no bets say i'm going to watch the denver broncos play three hours of football in any given week
2: it would probably involve blackmail um <laughs> Or forced confinement, something like something along those lines.
0: That's fair. Now um, (laughs) you mentioned earlier, a Kansas city teaser when it was still at eight and a half, I couldn't run fast enough uh, to tease Kansas city down. And you guys have heard me say for 13 weeks that teasing down this year has not overall been a profitable strategy. Um, We've seen Russell Wilson actually, by the numbers, play a little bit better the last two or three weeks, and it hasn't mattered at all. So, if we've been trying to figure out the is it Nathaniel Hackett, is it Russell Wilson? Well, it's still both, but I think the scale is tilting toward Nathaniel Hackett here right now. Uh, Kansas City at nine and a half. Uh, the, again, the teaser doesn't look the same way as it used to. Obviously, what way do you see on this game?
2: Yeah, it's I'm okay nine and a half is tough here because now it's a seven point teaser to get it down through the three. And that's, that's a lot of juice. I think it's typically one f- minus minus one forty, and even some of the domestic books are charging more than that. So I think at this point it's, it's probably a pass on Kansas city that this is a team that has been just overinflated as a favorite for most of the year and haven't covered a lot of spreads to be quite honest with you. So I think the, the ship has sailed on Kansas City as a teaser leg at this point although as I sit here right now there is wow there's actually some difference here so as a Friday morning most of the books are at nine and a half there is a nine and there is actually an eight and a half available at, at some books so go to lines.com under the NFL tab week 14 odds you'll be able to see which books have which odds here so Eight and a half, I might run over the bridge right now after we're done recording and get some more teasers in here on Kansas City if this eight and a half is still there. But anything more than a six and a half point teaser to get it to two and a half, I'm not going to be interested in here. I think the Chiefs do enough here against the Broncos. The other thing we, we haven't talked enough about is all the injuries that the Broncos have had overall, especially on defense. And this is starting to not really be the Broncos defense that it was in the first half of the year. Don't really care what they did against the Ravens last week. That's that's been an offense that's been struggling for weeks now. Last week,
0: Brad, Kansas City against Cincinnati it ends up being a three point game. But I I think it's important to keep in mind with that game. It was a Travis Kelsey fumble that really set up the uh, the winner for Cincinnati. I had pieces of Kansas City live at plus six and a half and felt comfortable you know for the entire game it's not really a situation where I ever was particularly worried about them and we saw Cincinnati get very conservative at times during that game so all that to say I haven't moved Kansas City from the top of my power ratings after last week nine and a half is a huge number on the road as Steven mentioned nines eight and a half uh, available elsewhere I know Kansas City's defense has not been good But do you think they're bad enough that the offense
1: can't account for 10 points against Denver? Um, Well, yeah, I kind of of like the under because of that point. Um, You know, to to start with those those injuries, Denver's going to have two backup tackles in here. They're down three receivers, I think, Sutton's out again with with Hamler and the other guys this week. So they're basically down to Jerry Judy and then Kendall Hinton, obviously playing quarterback for him last year. So you know it's it's a very bare cupboard um and you know even before those injuries on, on the offensive line uh Denver's ol was 32nd in pressure percentage allowed and the chiefs are seventh in pressure percentage allowed and you know we know that Russell Wilson holds the ball um and and you can sack him so especially when he now he doesn't have any receivers you know, I kind of think we just see more of this, more of what we've seen out of Denver all year long, where they're averaging like 13 points a game. Um, I don't really see why they would suddenly get more than that here. So that does potentially push me to under 44, um, especially if we see the Chiefs who, who are just, you know, rolling out the, the, the generic playbook, you know, they're, they're saving the good plays, um, so yeah, I could, I could only lead chiefs to cover because of losing last week, but you know, they're, they're, they're in the race for the one seat here. They're going to be focused. Um, but yeah, I think under 44 is probably the the best way to go.
0: Yeah. Um, when we look at, uh, when we look at the, the Denver Broncos situation, there's absolutely nothing that I feel good about really at this point, the defense was playing well. Uh, but what Brad said makes a lot of sense because, uh, only one denver game has gone over uh, thus far this year i'm not a trends player by any stretch but that is not a trend that is a reality of this offense inability to do anything you're
1: listening to the lines.com podcast network looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top u.s sportsbooks, all in one place plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lions Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports bettor.
0: Carolina visiting Seattle. Uh, this opened with Seattle in a much larger number. It is now down to Seattle, 3.5 with a total of 44 and a half. Brad, uh, the Carolina Panthers apparently, according to last night, cut their best quarterback, uh, Baker Mayfield, yeah. showing out. Against the Las Vegas Raiders uh, in one of these stranger second halves that we've seen, final drives that we've seen. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. But Baker Mayfield's not involved in this game. What is involved in this game is a Carolina side that has been plucky running the football and a Seattle team that I am just about fully ready to throw my hands up on and say, I don't know, man. Like just about when I was ready to buy in on Seattle, uh, when they were playing some weaker teams through the middle of the season, uh, they they went back to the defense that we had seen early in the year versus the defense that we had seen in the middle of the year. Uh, Seattle is a three and a half point favorite. What do you believe about the Seattle Seahawks at this point of the year?
1: what do I believe about the Seattle Seahawks well I'm, I'm looking at DraftKings actually and they're they're at four and a half flat four and okay. a half both sides minus 110 and like I'm looking at 365 and that's minus three and a half minus 110 so one one of those sides has to be value I would have thought I've, I've, you know I've not sat down and plugged in some sort of ARB calculator but um, as as it stands one of those is probably value Um, what do I think of the Seahawks so I still believe in Geno but it seems like they're going to be without maybe two of their starting running backs this week Um, and the defence just appears to have gone back to its early season be utter garbage you know the, the Rams went up and down the field last week with a with a backup quarterback literally no wide outs and an awful offensive line so I do think the Panthers can probably run the ball the um, the Panthers are sneaky their offensive line is 15th in the NFL according to uh, Brandon Thorne's rankings and obviously the uh, the Seattle Seahawks 24th in rush defense DVOA so I suspect the Panthers will be able to run the ball um, obviously I have no idea what to make of Sam Darnold I, yeah, I, I, that, the last game he played he looked good Um, you know he made some nice throws but we also have a, you know, a two year history of him being terrible so yeah I, I, I don't know I don't know what to make of the Seahawks as you say it's they're confusing and the Panthers are a team I generally like you look at a lot of the luck rankings like um, you know people have got all their kicks against them you know they've had dropped interceptions and stuff like that go against them. So I think they're generally a team you ought to be on, especially with an improving offensive line. Um, So if it's plus four and a half as it is at DraftKings right now, I'll probably go the the Panthers side of that.
2: Steven, what say you? I like the angle that the Panthers should be able to run the ball a little bit here. I'm waiting to see what, the numbers are for props on Dante Foreman. The only thing I'm seeing right now is touchdown props at plus 100. So I'm waiting to see what yardage props are. If that's in the sixties, then I'm going to be interested in the over there. Uh, We'll, we'll see where it's lined at. So, But I think that this line has probably gone too far. I did take a bite of Seattle minus three and a half on Thursday. Like Brad said, there are a couple still available as we record, but they're starting to evaporate here. Look ahead on this game was minus seven. Um, My opinion of Seattle, they are an above average team that struggles when they play teams that, have more talent on the roster above them. We saw that with the Raiders offense. Now, obviously we know the Raiders defense is not good, but I think we'd agree for the most part, the Raiders offense is above average unit. We saw that against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where they had struggle moving the ball against a talented roster and, and they lose that game weird setup in Germany, but still I, against teams like the Panthers, I'm still comfortable playing Seattle here, especially if we're getting it, closer to the three than we are the seven. So um, if you're listening to this and you still have access to a book that's three and a half, I'm fine with that. This is still the number 32 uh, Panthers offense in terms of success rate versus the number nine success rate defense. So we've seen Seattle defense play well against bad offenses, and this is still Sam Darnold on the road in a hostile environment in Seattle where they're playing for playoff position. Those fans are going to be into it for sure. And this is still the number five Seattle offense in terms of success rate. Number six in EPA against the middle of the road, Carolina defense. I, I don't think they're bad by any stretch. I I think they're probably average. So I thought the line movement here from the look ahead went too far. And, and I bet Seattle minus three and a half.
0: Yeah, uh, they have to post them all. We don't have to bet them all. I I will pass on this game entirely. There's just too much I don't know about Seattle right now. And there are better There are better options out there and uh, guys for me, one of them, the way this line is moving might end up being the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in San Francisco. Obviously we know it's Brock Purdy, Steven and not uh, James Garoppolo three and a half in a lot of spots. There are some juice threes now starting to pop. The move has been all toward Tampa. Um, I don't get it. Honestly. Um, Unless okay. this is entirely about Tampa's defense, because Tampa's offense is abysmal. I don't care what they did against the Saints. I don't care what they did against the Rams. This offense is horrible. Uh, that being said, we don't know what we'll get out of San Francisco after last week, but we know there is a hell of a lot more talent on the San Francisco offense than there is on The Tampa side, Uh, if those threes are there on San Francisco, I will probably end up on San Francisco low total game here. What do you think about your 49ers against Tampa?
2: Yeah, they are my 49ers, but I think we're going heads up on this one this week, man. I, I bet bucks plus three and a half here. And I was very curious to dig into some numbers on the narrative that we've heard this week about insert quarterback here into Kyle Shanahan offense and everything will be fine. I don't subscribe to that. If you look at expected completion percentage, it it does bear out since 2017. When Kyle got there, Jimmy G CJ Beathard and Nick Mullins, all three quarterbacks that he's had play for him have all had seasons with a top 10 expected completion percentage, including a year where CJ Beathard was number one in expected completion percentage. But here's the thing that stat shows zero about actual quarterback performance and it measures how often a quarterback should complete a pass based on depth of target and receiver separation so the real question is not that the real question is how have non-jimmy g quarterbacks actually performed in this offense and among quarterbacks with at least 600 pass attempts since kyle shanahan got there Nick Mullins was 28th in EPA, 23rd in success rate. CJ Beathard was 46th in EPA, 38th in success rate. Meanwhile, Jimmy Garoppolo was third and fifth in those statistics. And if you look at the records, the 49ers are 42 and 19 in games Jimmy G plays, and nine and 29 in the Kyle Shanahan era when Jimmy G is not on the field. That is an enormous difference. Now. I don't disagree with you that the Bucks' offense has showed us nothing, and Byron Lefwich comes out and has a, a bravado quote again saying, who cares about the stats and what we're doing? We're winning games. You were down 16-3 with five minutes left in the game, and you're still spouting this nonsense. Like You need to change something. So the 49ers defense, I concede, can fully wreck this game. But what I do have confidence in is Tom Brady's ability to get rid of the ball. They rank number one in the league in adjusted sack rate and pressure allowed because Tom knows the offensive line is not as good as it's been in past years, and he gets rid of the ball very quickly. So asking Brock Purdy, based on what we know with these splits in the Kyle Shanahan offense, is it possible Brock Purdy Bur- is a solid quarterback? It, sure, it's in the range of outcomes somewhere, but this is still a seventh-round rookie quarterback quarterback in an offense where we've seen backup quarterbacks still struggle no matter how much talent he has around him. So I'm getting three and a half with a knowledgeable quarterback who knows how to avoid pressure in a game with a total of 37. That on its face just has to be value, I would think. And and to your point, I don't think we're necessarily
0: heads up because I'm not playing it at three and a half. Right. Fair. I, th- I, I like it at three. I don't like it at three and a half uh Brad Tampa, uh, he you know Tom Brady can get rid of the ball, correct, but San Francisco's defense is a completely different animal, and they're playing like it right now.
1: yeah, they said uh, they said Tua could get rid of the ball last week as well, and uh, mm. that you know fair point, point terribly. Fair, fair point, point. <laughs> um, I mean obviously the question is Nick Bosa, so he, he's missed two consecutive practices. They're talking about hamstring irritation. Um so yeah, I mean if he plays and he's going up against the backup right tackle Josh Wells, then I think he's getting another three sacks and Tom Brady's getting his face <laughs> caved in. Um but whoa, yeah. Whoa, I, like, whoa, whoa, it, whoa, whoa, <laughs> that is a national treasure of a face. It cannot be caved in. Yeah, that's a like a five million dollar plastic surgery face, that is. He's gradually getting more and more gaunt. It's a very strange look he's going for is true. now. Anyway, <laughs> um yeah, I, I, Nick Bosa could wreck this game if he plays In it, um, I think. Uh, I think Tampa's a crap football team. I think they're really bad, and like they keep getting away with it because Brady's got that magic. But like the, the the difference in talent, if this is minus three and Bosa plays, then I think San Francisco has to be the side. Guys, we will of course have
0: full breakdowns of Sunday night football and Monday night football on videos. Check out thelines. dot com or uh, the lines on Twitter. But I'll open it up first to you, Brad, for any thoughts you have on Miami and the Chargers or New England and Arizona, as we have right now on Friday. Miami laying three fifty two, New England one and a half forty
1: four. Um. Very briefly, I think the Dolphins score what they want. Uh, against the Chargers Um, even last week even though they they had backup tackles in there they couldn't block they couldn't block Miami not Miami they couldn't block the 49ers couldn't block Bosa they still had people running open downfield and obviously Tua hit them early but I think he started to miss throws, didn't he? He started to get rattled um, and just started missing wide open guys. Now, obviously, um, you know they've got Khalil Mack the Chargers, but the rest of the defense is, is nowhere is on a different planet to the Forty Nineers. So I think we we see the we see the Miami Dolphins that we saw against the Texans, the Browns, where they score whatever they want, you know, thirty plus. So uh,
2: I don't know Miami team total, perhaps. Stephen, what do you think yeah, about I, Sunday and Monday? I agree with him, but I also think that the Chargers can score on. The Dolphins defense here. This this was a look ahead line that was one, one and a half. And now it's past the key number of three. And I'm I'm pretty solid with the Chargers plus three and a half here. L.A. is getting healthier. Mike Williams back to full participation to hopefully rejoin Keenan Allen in that receiving core. Their center Corey Lindsley back to full participant. Derwin James is an issue on defense, back-to-back DNPs, and and Miami is still trotting out a MASH unit on the offensive line. Austin Jackson, their tackle, went to IR. Teron Armstead still limited with a toe and a pec injury. Tua's got an ankle that he's dealing with. Jalen Waddell did get back to full practice, but I wonder if he's at, at 100%. And Tyree Kill's dealing with an illness, so... I, I agree that they should score here, but I think three and a half for the chargers is too much. And so I, I would play that or the over.
0: I'll have an Arizona teaser leg. Uh, this is the healthiest. The Arizona offense has been all year long. I'm not necessarily buying hard into the bill Belichick against running quarterbacks narrative. However, uh, a healthy ish Kyler Murray with a healthy ish offense should be enough to cover seven and a half at home against new England, Brad, it's always a joy when we get to see your smiling face go back to watching uh soccer and uh we'll see you. by the way
2: the entire time we've been doing this podcast brad missed exactly zero goals in the first half
0: i'm so (laughs) stunned by that that we went an entire half of soccer with no scoring uh for steven for brad matt will join us once again next week i'm adam good luck out there this week